Well, all right, we're in this series called Heroes. And today we're going to look at the life of Joshua. Or, or, yeah, Joshua is who we're looking at today. And I'm going to move very quickly through Joshua's life because we're going to end the service by, by, by the Lord's Supper or communion together as a church family as we look at this. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 8 is what we're going to look at this morning. And i got to tell you, uh, I have not only preached this text many, many different times, but this text has spoken into my life so many different times, so many different transitions of ministry and transitions of life that uh, it has a lot of personal significance to me about this text that we're going to look at this morning. But even though I've preached it several different times in this church, and even though I've, I've used it in my personal life so many times, I mean, I believe that God has given me some fresh insight. I've been able to look at this word just a little bit different way and just going to apply it to our lives this morning. And so in Joshua chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 8, is the story about Joshua. Now, a little bit about Joshua. Joshua would eventually lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Uh, Joshua was like the executive pastor, the associate pastor of Moses. And so he was with Moses when Moses was leading the children of Israel. When they went to the promised land the first time, they get to the edge of the promised land. And so God had told Moses, it's time, I'm giving you the land. The land is yours. You just have to appropriate it. You just have to go in. And so God told Moses, he says, take, take one man from each tribe of Israel, that'd be 12 men, 12 tribes, and you send them into the promised land as spies. Now, I've already given you this land. And he says, send them into the promised land as spies, let them stay in the land for 40 days, and when they come out, they should give a report. Now listen, God wasn't telling Moses to send these guys into the promised land to tell them whether they could take the land or not, or to tell them whether they should or not. God was sending the, the, the men into the promised land to tell them how to take the land. But you know what they do? They form a committee on trying to figure out the vision of God. And so they send the 12 men in. And so t- the men come out, and 10 of them come out and say, Yes, the land is filling with milk and honey. Yes, that'd be a wonderful and a, and a blessed place to live. I mean, it's just like Moses has described. It's just like God has described. And it'd be an awesome place if we could just live there. But there's a problem. There are giants in the land. Isn't it true every one of us has giants? Isn't it true that, that, that we have giants just like they did? And so, God, and so they came out and they told, told Moses that we cannot take the land because there's giants in the land. And he kind of gives the definition of giants in your life and my life and in their life for sure. You know what a giant is? A giant that is someone or something that appears to be stronger than God. And so they came out and they said, the problem is there's giants in the land. We know what God said and we know that's where, the, where we're supposed to be. But the problem is there's giants in the land. They are stronger than us. They are bigger than us. And, they, and you know what? We look like grasshoppers to them. Well, Joshua and Caleb gave a report. And Joshua and Caleb said, the land is filled with milk and honey. It is a wonderful place. And yes, there are giants in the land. But we can take the giants with God's help. See, there was a difference of what they focused on. The ten focused on the giants. The two, Joshua and Caleb, and they focused on God. So your focus and my focus is critical and, and live. And because the ten came out and, and, and had a bad report is what Scripture says, and because they talked about this, the, these, these giants in the land, the children of Israel decided, Moses and all of the children of Israel, they decided to not take the land. 
They decided not to go in. They decided not to go into the land and the place that God had for them. And God said as a result of that, this generation will die off and will not get to enter the promised land because you did not trust me. And 45 years later is where we pick up in Joshua chapter 1. And now Joshua is about ready to lead the children of Israel into the, the promised land. And Joshua was fighting giants. Joshua was fighting giants internally. Joshua was fighting giants on the inside. And Joshua was fighting giants on the outside as, as well. In other words, Joshua had some giants in his life that he needed to defeat. Listen, a giant in your life and my life can be anything that keeps you from the place that God has for you. A giant in your life and a giant in my life can keep you from that promised land. Jimmy Evans said this. Jimmy Evans says the reason that there were giants in the land because it was God's insurance policy that only people of faith would go into the promised land. See, a giant in your life and a giant in my life can be insecurity. A giant can be anything that oppresses you, anything that gives you fear. It can be fear of the future. It can be fear fear of failure. It can be lack of faith. A giant can be a person that you need to get approval from, and you're praying and you're hoping that you get that proof. It can be that person that discourages you. A giant can be anything in your life that keeps you from what God has for you. See, a giant, just by the pure definition out of Numbers chapter 13 and 14, is this. A giant is anything in your life that appears to be stronger than God. It's that obstacle in your past. It's that obstacle in your life. It's that obstacle in your future. That you believe that, you know what, that will never be removed out of my way. That 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 thing, that issue is stronger than God. A, A giant can be a situation or a person that can just discourage you. Listen, a giant, if you are not careful, it will steal and rob your joy even when you're in a great place. I mean, a giant is something that can just come up in your life and just rob you of that joy. Uh, Karen and I, were, uh, Karen's my wife, and, and uh, Karen and I are, are empty nesters. And so we're, we're always looking for hobbies and stuff that we could do together. And here a while, while back, uh, we, bought, we bought some bicycles. And so now we, we ride bicycles together, and we ride long distances. I mean, we live over here behind Ron Colley and, and Starlight Hills. And so we've ridden all the way out to Beulah, which is like 22 miles uphill all the way. Uh, and, and by the way, if you see us riding on the, on the, on the highway, and many of you have, um, and she's ahead of me, that is only because I'm a gentleman. And, and that I want to keep her ahead of me in case she has a flat or breakdown or some wild animal attacks her. I will be riding before long once I catch my breath and, and, and help her. And so she has her favorite routes and I have my favorite routes. And so ours are totally different. In fact, my favorite route is Little Burnt Mill Road. Now, Little Burnt Mill Road is like this dirt road. And this, this dirt road, for me, it's eight miles out and eight miles back. And it's, it's just out in the middle of, of, of the mountains. And, and you see wildlife, antelope, and birds, and all this other stuff. And, and for me, it's just like this peaceful place. And I love Little Burnt Mill Road. You don't deal with cars and traffic and all this other stuff. And, and there's been Sunday afternoons. I've just ridden it. And, and I've written sermons in my mind when, when I'm on it. And I've prayed and I've worshipped. And, and for me, it's just this place of just great peace. And I, I love the 
solitude, and I love the mountains, and I love... And so Karen wasn't able to ride one Sunday afternoon, and so I rode without her. And so I'm riding, and I'm coming up, and you could see it, and I'm coming up to a farmhouse that, that was on the left that I'd passed a hundred times. Uh, and, and so all of a sudden, for the very first time, all of a sudden this dog starts barking. And so this dog comes out of the farmhouse, and this just wasn't any dog. I mean, this was a vicious dog. I mean... I think it was part pit bull, part black bear. I mean, it was just... <laughs> it may be an exaggeration, but it scared me to death. And so this dog's like barking and going, going absolutely nuts. And so I have a decision to make, right? I can either start riding faster and try to beat the dog past the house before it gets to the road and that whole deal it eats me alive, or I can just scream like a girl and go home. And so, so you know what? I said, I'm going for it. And so I, I, I rode as hard and as fast as I could. And, and man, that dog was barking and screaming. And, and we it got to the road. As, we got to the road in front of the house about the same time. But by this time, I was going so fast, I just blew right past it. And so uh, the dog chased me a little bit and realized he couldn't keep up. And so, you know what? So I started trash talking the dog when he sat in the middle of the road. I'm like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, I realized I got to turn around. And I got to face that dog again. And I think the dog knew it. And you know what? It became a giant, I mean, in a place that I loved, in a place that just gave me great peace and all this other stuff. That dog robbed me of my joy because it became a giant. I no longer thought about God. I no longer longer thought about Scripture. I no longer even noticed any of the animals around. All I could think about is that dog. All I could think about is getting past that dog and whether I should call Karen and beg her to come pick me up off the side of the road or whatever. I mean, a giant will rob you of your joy. A a giant will destroy you of peace. And, man, we sing songs like, like, my chains are gone and I've been set free. But so many believers don't live like that. Because giants are oppressing them and stealing their joy. And this text is about that. Just in case for, just so you know how the story ends, is I rode eight miles out and came back and I knew it was uphill this time, not downhill. And, and I'm like, oh, I was so scared. And, and I got to the farmhouse and they'd put the dog up. Didn't even have to deal with it. Isn't that true sometimes? We have these imaginary giants that never come to be, never happen. See, you can be having a great day. And you can be in that place where God has called you to be. And you can have joy. And all of a sudden, those giants will come up. And if you're not careful, they will rob you of your peace and they will rob you of your joy. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe it's the fear of of the future Or maybe it's fear of how things are going to work out in your life because, man, I'm telling you, fear can either empower you or it can paralyze you dependent on your focus, dependent on how you react to it. Man, giants will come up in your life when God calls you to follow him at a deeper level, when God calls you to follow him in ministry. Giants will come up in your life and tell you why you'll fail and tell you why you cannot do it. See, this passage in Joshua, it's a passage that has helped me and will help us to overcome our giants in life. Because if we're honest here this morning, we all have them, right? All of us. Our giants may look different. They may feel different. But the truth is, every one of us have giants in our life. 
that can oppress us or can give us fear. I have giants in ministry. I have giants in my life. And you know what? I still deal with giants. I also think that's God's insurance policy, so we'll press harder and harder into him, God. So Joshua chapter 1, I'm going to read all the way through verse 8, starting in verse 1. Here's what, here's what happens. Moses is, 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 is dead, and uh, Joshua is now about ready to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. So here's what the scripture says. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you'll be on the land I have given you. From the Nevgev wilderness, from the south of Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one. So he starts giving him promises. Okay? So here's just the crazy deal. Here's the interesting deal. God never tells Joshua how to defeat his giants. So critical, so important to the story, has so much to say to us. So all of a sudden, he begins giving him some promises. And he says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. God not only promised his, his presence to, to Joshua and to that generation, but he promises his presence to our generation, and he promises his presence daily to us. And so he began giving him his promises, and he said, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. In other words, he says, I would have given them to Moses. I would have given them to the children of Israel if they had just trusted me, if they had just walked in. And so he goes on, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning neither to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instructions. Study the scriptures. Study the word continually. Meditate on it day and night so you'll be able to, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then you will prosper and succeed in all that you do. And so we know that Joshua had fear. We know that he had giants because of the number of times that God tells him, do not fear, do not be discouraged, do not, and be courageous. And so watch, he goes on. He said, this is my command. Again, be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, Joshua. I know you are. I know you've seen the giants. I know you, how, you know how big they are. Don't do that. For the Lord your God is what? Is with you wherever you go. Joshua, you don't worry about the giants. Why? Because I'm with you. You don't worry about the giants because I'm bigger than any giant that you will face. I'm bigger than any obstacle you will ever face. Two principles this morning, if we're going to get this, if we're going to remove giants out of our life, the first thing is this. When your focus is on your giants, you will be paralyzed. When you're focused, that's the reason the ten were were paralyzed. That's why the ten were discouraged. That's why the ten said, you know what? We know it's a wonderful place, and we know it's a place that we should be. But they were focused on what? They weren't focused on God. They were focused on the giants, and they were paralyzed, and they were destroyed. And the, the Israelites says, we cannot overtake them. They will destroy us. Even they knew that, even though they knew that God had already given them the land. And God, it says, if you will just trust me, Man, they turned away. Psychologists tell us that life is like a, a mansion. And we have transitions in life going from one room to the next. But sadly, most people live their life in the hallways of life. 
because they have trouble with transitions. They have trouble with fear. God never designed us to live in the hallways of life. But to step into what he has for us. And you know what happened with the children of Israel? When, they, when their focus was on their giants and not God, they trusted their giants more than they trusted God. Their giants' voices became stronger than God's voice. The giants became larger than God. And the scripture says that they turned and went back into the wilderness. And the scripture says that because of that, they became bitter and complained. You know who's attracted to bitter people? No one. Except for bitter people. A lot of times bitter people have just been destroyed by their giants. And when your focus, listen, let me tell you something. When your focus is on your giants in life, you will talk about the joy of the Lord. Because you know as a Christian you should talk about the joy of the Lord. But you will be miserable on the inside. You will not even know what that feels like. When your focus is on on the giants instead of God, then, then you know and you can say that the battle is the Lord's. But you know what? You feel like you're just so defeated. And you know that there's supposed to be higher ground in the Christian life, but you just cannot get there. Why? Because of the giants. And we can even sing worship songs and say we have been set free and our chains have been removed. But we have trouble living that out because we feel in bondage to the giants and because of our fear in life. See, the promised land for the children of Israel was a place of new beginnings. You know why a lot of people do not have new beginnings in their life? It's because of giants, because they just don't trust him. They just don't trust God. Listen, let me tell you something. Never, ever, ever underestimate what failure, failure and disobedience will do in your life. See, it was because of failure and disobedience the children of Israel never obtained and never had what God had for them. And yes, God forgives us. And yes, God takes care of us. And I get that and I understand that. But if you and I are not careful, failure in our life can destroy us if we stay in the failure. And I can't, it just blows me away with the children of Israel. The children of Israel saw God do miracle after miracle after miracle. Provide for them and the miracles and all this other stuff. The water and the manna. And, the, and they couldn't trust him with their giants and their life. And let me tell you something. If you're not careful, your failure, you trusting giants can destroy you in your life. I'm I'm just telling you. The reason people don't transition out of the, the hallways of life into the rooms that God has for them is because of their past. If your past does not die, you cannot live. You have to get set free from that. And that was their problem. Look, verse 1. So he says, so this is transition. He says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. So, so Joshua was like the associate pastor, the executive pastor. Joshua presided over, over tent meetings. And so there's this transition about ready to happen. I mean, Moses was like larger than life to them. I mean, when God wanted to say something to the children of Israel, he spoke to Moses. Moses spoke to the children of Israel. And so Joshua had to have fear, verse 2. So, so he tells Joshua, my servant uh, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you. The time for you is, is a new beginning. It's time for you to lead. It's time for you to step into that. 
lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that, that I am giving them. In other words, Moses is dead. You know, mourn his loss, but just but transition and move on. Listen, in this life, there is hurt. And in this life, there is pain. In this life, there is divorce. And in this life, there is remarriage. And in this life, there's bankruptcy and there's being terminated and, and being fired. There's terminal illness. There's separation. There's death. There's things that change. There's uncertainty of the future. There is sin. There's people that hurt us. There's people that betray us. There's people that speak some things into our lives that is very hurtful. And listen, let me tell you something. You know what will keep you paralyzed? Is focused on those giants. And if you do not learn how to move on and move your focus from your giants to God, you will never obtain what God has for you. Listen, you want to know how you're paralyzed in life? You want to know when you're paralyzed in life? Is when you keep going in circles like the children of Israel and you continually are dealing with the same situations, the same issues, the same stuff, the same giants. Over and over and over, even though the people change in your life, even though the circumstances change in your life, even though the situations change, it's like, give me a break. I'm dealing with the same root issues over and over and over. That's how you know that you're paralyzed. That's how you know that you're stuck. Let me ask you this morning, what gives you fear in life? And what are your giants? What gives you fear in life that seems to be this obstacle or this thing? that is bigger than God, that God can never move out of the way? What is it that comes up in your life? When God calls you to live life at a higher level, greater obedience to Him, greater commitment to Him, or to step into ministry, what is it that comes into your life and tells you all the reasons why you can and all the reasons why you'll fail? You see, Joshua and Caleb, 45 years prior to this, They were the only two that made the right decision. They were the only two that says, no, we need to trust God. Yes, the giants are big, but we need to trust him. The leader, Moses, and the children of Israel made a decision not to trust him. God honored Joshua when he submitted to the authority that God had placed over him. And it wasn't until 45 years later And you never hear Joshua talking about the wasted years, Moses' dumb decision, all the hurt and the pain and the difficulty of wandering around in the the desert and the wilderness for 45 years and when they could have already been into the promised land. You know why? Because if your past does not die, you cannot live. And Joshua understood that his trust... His trust was in God and God alone. And God had called him just to, be, just to be obedient to him. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse, verse 11. I won't read all of these verses, but um, this is what it says. This is the command I'm giving you today. I, I just want you to just see a couple of things out of this. This is the command I'm giving you today. And it is not too difficult for you to understand. Okay, so stop right there. God's will for your life is not too difficult for you to understand. Never say, I don't know enough. Never say, I don't understand. And it is not beyond your reach. Is it not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey? It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, Who will cross the sea to bring it to us so we may hear it, obey it? 
No, the message is very close at hand. In other words, his word is very close at hand. It is on your lips and it is in your heart. Why? So that you can obey it. Don't ever use the fact that you don't know what to do as an excuse. Don't ever use it as an excuse that you say it's just too difficult for me. It's an issue of focus. It's an issue of obedience. I want to read a couple more verses. Verse 15 out of Deuteronomy chapter 30. Now listen today. You know, this choice is for every one of us. He says, I'm I'm giving you a choice. Giving you a choice between life and death. Giving you a choice between the higher ground. Between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to to love your, your God and to keep his commands and decrees and regulations by walking in his ways. And if you do, you will live and multiply and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are about to occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, then I just warn you that you will be destroyed. And you will not live long and you will not live a good life in the land that you're crossing into Jordan. To occupy today, I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curse. And I'll call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. And that you would just choose life so that you and your descendants may be blessed. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God and obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. And then he says, this is the key of life. You know what the key of life is? It's submitting to him. It's surrendering to him. The key to life is this, is to love your, the Lord your God to listen to him, and to obey him. See, the children of Israel, they had a false belief. And they believed that their giants were were bigger than, than him and bigger than God. And God had already given them. He had already given them the lamp. Second and last principle is this. When your focus is on God, your giants will be paralyzed. When your focus is on your giants, you're the one that's going to be paralyzed. You're the one that's going to be destroyed. You're the one that's not going to step into the promised land. But when your focus is on God and God alone, guess what? Your giants become smaller and smaller and smaller, and he becomes larger in your life. Uh, verse 3 in Joshua chapter 1. He says, I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set foot, you will be on the land I have given you. And I, I'm just telling you, if, if your focus in life is on your giants, you will never see God in your situation. You will never see God in your wilderness. You'll never see God in the promised land. You will never see God in, the, in your situation because your focus is on your giants that give you fear. You see, see God, God just simply tell, told them, I've already, I've already given you the land. The land is already yours. You, you just have to obey me. You just have to step into the, the land. See, the, the Christian life is not a struggle like we make it out to be. It's learning just to appropriate the victory. I mean, whatever God has for you, I'm telling you this morning, it is ahead of you and not behind you. And everything in his word said he has good plan for us. If we will just trust him and we will just obey him. And some of you, you may be in really difficult situations right now. 
And you may be wondering, what does the future hold for me? And you may have some huge giants that are just oppressing you and just, just everywhere in your life. Let me ask you this. Are you talking to God? Are you reading his word? And are you obeying his word and applying it to his life? But listen, let me tell you something. When, when you listen to God, there will always be people wh- that will tell you why it can't happen. There will always be people around you that will speak negative things into your life and tell you that you're crazy trusting God and you're tra- crazy following him. But I'm telling you, I have learned in my life that we can limit God's power in our life by allowing our giants to paralyze us and allowing our giants to rule in our life, that God has a plan for our life. It's so interesting to me that Joshua, that God never tells Joshua how to defeat the giants. He never tells Joshua, Joshua, I know they're big. Now, here's how you should take them. Here's how you should destroy them. You know what he does? God tells Joshua, you want to get rid of your giants in your life? It's about focusing on me. It's about, it's about following me. You know what, Joshua? You focus on me. If you're obedient to me, guess what? You don't have to take the giants out. I'll take them out for you. Verse 5, no one will be able to stand up against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. So just be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess not just some of the land, not just part of the land, but guess what? You get it all. I'll give you all of the land. I swore to their ancestors that I would give to them. I mean, God is promising his presence. And, and listen, let me tell you something. The secret to success with God is just to surrender and obey. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. So he goes in. So we know Joshua had fear. That word courageous out of the Hebrew means this, just to have resolve. It means to stick with a commitment. The children of Israel, they got all the way up to the land and they bailed. And they didn't have resolve. There are so many believers that hidden services and, and have these commitments and they make these commitments, but they have no resolve to continue. And what he's saying is, Joshua, don't quit, don't bail, don't turn back. Have this resolve to follow me. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Verse 8, study this book of instructions continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only, pivotal word in this verse, pivotal word in these eight verses, only then, that word then is pivotal, only then, only when your focus is on me, only when you obey me, only then you will prosper and succeed in everything that you do. And he's not just talking about prosperity, he's not talking about financial prosperity, you know what he's talking about? Succeeding in whatever God has called you to do. If you'll just trust me, he's saying, Joshua, your key to success is related, is directly related to your obedience to me. Don't quit. Don't give up. And so he told him, he says, you know how you develop, you know how you destroy the giants in your life? By focusing on me and by meditating on his word. See, we don't get, we don't really understand what that word meditate means. We think it's just thinking about something. It's much deeper than that. You see, the word meditate in the Hebrew simply means this, to speak aloud. It was used as in, in relation to a lion. You know, that constant purr, that constant growl? That'd be the meditations of that lion. And so he was telling him, you know what? When you meditate on Scripture, it's not just to think about Scripture. It's to say Scripture, say Scripture aloud. It carries a weight. He says, Joshua, your secret to destroying your giants is my word and meditating on it. 
Sometimes I've learned in life, maybe you're like this. We can know the truth of Scripture, but we don't feel the truth of Scripture. We can know the truth of Scripture. I'll always be with you. I'll never fail you. I'll never abandon you. I'll never forsake you. I am with you. You're forgiven. We can know the truth of Scripture, but we cannot feel the truth of Scripture. Okay. So here's the power of meditation. Here's what it means to meditate at a deeper level that just just changed my life totally. When we meditate on Scripture, it is submitting the emotional to the biblical. It is submitting our feelings. It is submitting our emotion to the biblical. You know the reason so many believers are discouraged and defeated? is because they're submitting the biblical to their emotions and to their feelings. And they're being wrecked and they're being destroyed. Meditating on Scripture is taking His Word and it becomes the authority in your life to where you take your feelings, your doubts, your fears, your giants, and you submit them to His Word. where his word rules in your life. You talking to him? You reading his word? You meditating on scripture? Scripture? 